Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to The Shit Show. Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. That's totally awkward random. Kia ora, everyone, and welcome back to The Shit Show. Now, I am beyond excited to be bringing you back The Shit Show weekly in a little bit of a new format. Now, Ruby and Liv, unfortunately, are far too busy doing culture vulture, making sure she care about looks beautiful and can pay the bills to jump on and host with me these days. But we do have a familiar person, a familiar voice, jumping back as the new co-host. His old Tumblr was called I Get My Energy From My Energy. Now, who could it possibly be? I don't know, Lucy. Do you want to let them know? It is my older brother, Nick. Now, Nick has joined me on the shit show previously to talk about things like GameStop and the stock market and to reminisce on some of our old favourite childhood TV shows. Nick, thank you for agreeing to do this wild, weird thing with me. Thank you for having me. A lot of good memories in those podcasts. I'd recommend going back and having a wee, having a wee flick through if you haven't already. Now, Nick, I've known you. You've known me for quite a while. Quite a while. So I can imagine we're probably going to have some quite good banter or sibling, you know, tiffs on here. But as long as the people all do know that I am the smarter one... <laughs> You never let me forget that you're always right, Luce. It's it's never a competition. Well, I am always right, and just, you know, as long as everyone knows it. But no, I reckon they're going to love you way more than me, and I'm insecure about it. Well, they love you, so I hope that. That's, uh, that's a good result for me. Now, the way that the shit show is going to work from now on is you're going to get a new episode every Friday, and me and Nick are going to be giving you headlines and wrapping up the big stories of the week. What happened in the world, what happened on the internet, what weird things were going on. So you can come to us for your headlines. A lot of them will be derived from the daily newsletter that I write that you should all be subscribed to because I get up very early to write it for you. You can subscribe to that at the link in our Shit You Should Care About bio. But if you want culture and you want pop culture updates, we also have a weekly pop culture podcast, and that's called Culture Vulture. Um, me and Liv host that. It's so much fun, but culture's going to be hosted over there, and the news and the world is going to be hosted over here. Now, first of all, Nick, just because I'm sort of fishing for compliments, do you like the newsletter? Do you read it? I do like the newsletter. It's where I've gotten a lot of my information for this podcast from. How many coffees do you have before you start doing this newsletter, Liz? So, there's a coffee as soon as I get up at about 6am or before 6am. Then there is a coffee when I've written the newsletter and I'm about to like design it to send it out. And then there is another coffee after I've showered and all my flatmates are awake and the real workday's starting. That's a pretty good ratio. Yeah. 
you get your energy from your energy and I get it from coffee. So hopefully you can sort of hear the hype where I type. The hype when I type. Does it? That feels like a good motto for me. (laughs) That's your motto. (laughs) And in other really exciting news, Nick, you're going to be running the Shit Show Instagram, which I'm really fucking excited for because, one, I just don't have time, and two, I am just real keen to be on the other side of, like, the Instagram polls and things like that. Like, I'm just real keen to see what you do with it, and I reckon people are going to love it, love hearing from a a bit of a different voice. I feel like I'm going to have to have a crash course in uh, Instagram stories. Oh, look, off mic, I I will definitely be giving you some pointers because I just cannot have our brand being tainted by someone who's not schooled in the art of Instagram. (laughs) No, but I am really, really excited. Now, look, we're going to have some recurring segments in this new realm of the shit show. The first one being the weirdest thing you saw on the internet this week. Nick, what was the weirdest thing you saw? Yeah, so the weirdest thing I saw on the internet this week was... Uh, a few members of the Taliban floating around in pedal boats in the Bamyan prov- province of Afghanistan. Now, if you haven't seen the photos, they're, they're pretty jarring. Like, there's full-on Taliban members dressed in all their attire with machine guns and rocket launchers floating around in, like, carnival pedal boats and quite possibly the most beautiful part of Afghanistan and beautiful azure blue water just floating about pointing rocket launchers at things. Is that not just the epitome of the 2021 internet? Like we flatten all these political and natural and like all these, I don't know, weird things into one picture that's probably going to go viral on Twitter. Exactly. I think it's a good, um, good reference point for sort of humanity as a whole. I mean, everybody loves pedal boats it doesn't matter who you are whether you're a taliban so we'll we'll get those we'll get those photos up on the shit show instagram for you to have a wee have a wee look through look at you already having content for the shit show instagram stop it's in our blood loose it's in our blood well my weirdest thing i saw on the internet this week i actually wrote about it in the newsletter it is the teletubbies being called little gay demons now that's a hell of a headline isn't it It is. Now, far-right pundit and former True News host, and I'm not going to say her name because I don't really want to platform her, but basically she said that the Teletubbies were little gay demons. She said this because Lil Nas X, who's just done the most fucking phenomenal and weird album rollout for his debut album, Montero. He's he's so good at that stuff, eh? Oh, he's actually so good. He was hit up by the Teletubbies. Um, They asked him for a collab, to which he said, All right, bet. Me and Tinky Winky on the hook, Dipsy and Poe on the verses, and we'll let Lala do the outro. So after that, this woman took to her Instagram and said that she always knew that the Teletubbies were little gay demons. And honestly, I thought that was the story. You know, that's enough of a headline there, like if I've ever heard one. But then we got a response to, I wrote about this in the newsletter, and we got a response sent to our email. And basically it was a response from Samantha who said, in the late 90s, there was a lot of controversy surrounding Tinky Winky because he carried a bag that looked like a woman's purse. 
That led Jerry Falwell, a conservative televangelist. That's a hell of a word, isn't it, televangelist? Am I saying that right? Televangelist? Was that just off the cuff, Liz? Yeah, I've got no idea if I said it right. Anyway, he um, is also the founder of Liberty University, which is like a US evangelical college that is known for strict conservative policies and to be very Republican. But anyway, basically he wrote in his newsletter all about the reasons why he knew Tinky Winky was gay. Like the fact that he was purple and his symbol was a triangle, which are apparently all signals of gay pride, according to him. Uh-huh. Um, and he also said that Christian parents needed to be alerted to not let their kids watch the Teletubbies. So the BBC actually had to come out with a statement. Well, they didn't have to, but they sort of did, saying that this um, isn't a big deal. Tinky Winky is simply a sweet technological baby with a magic bag. So basically, after this, Tinky Winky becomes a bit of a gay icon. And and when the show was exported to the United States, Tinky Winky's reputation as a gay icon actually kind of came with the show. Like, gossip columnists were sort of writing, you know, that that the character offers a great message um, that it's obviously okay to be gay, but also, you know, noting the importance of being well accessorized. So that's really interesting in terms of, I thought it was already quite a wild story and it just got more wild. We we stand Tinky Winky. <laughs> no, but we do stand Tinky Winky. Um, I don't know about you, Luce, but I always wanted Tubby Custard. A little bit of a, a rye aside there, but... I want a tubby custard. It always looks so good. Yuck, Nick. Just even the word tubby custard is rank. (laughs) But what about, no, what about the baby in the sky? Okay, that that freaked me out. No, but same. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Cool. So now we're going to dive into a few of the biggest news stories that we've we've pulled from the newsletters this week. Uh, Do you want to kick us off, Liz? I do. And I also just want to say, so these aren't always going to be the most, like, newsworthy by sort of, you know, the terms we were taught in school to be newsworthy. I want this podcast to be, like, real authentic, (laughs) just like us and the rest of shit you should care about. And so I really want it to just be stories that we actually find buzzy and interesting and... Yeah, the the ones that we want to talk about, right? Yeah, and just really true to our time. So my first story, and one that we really couldn't miss out, is about Gabby Petito. Now, you've probably heard about this case because it went very viral on social media, which, again, is something that I want to talk about in terms of this case. Nick, have you heard about it? Yeah, I've heard about this, Liz, yeah. So I do want to start off, before I get into a bit of a timeline about it, with a wee bit of a caveat, just um, because I've had a lot of people sort of feeding back to me that, and I know this, that yes, it's really important that we are looking at Gabby's case, and it's in some ways quite helpful that the mainstream media have given it so much attention, but this often only happens to white people, and and particularly white women. It's actually been called missing white woman syndrome in the past, like this mass sort of getting on board of locating or just being interested in the case of a white woman being missing, where hundreds of thousands of people are reported missing, and and particularly people of colour every year in the United States. And, And especially in Wyoming, where Gabby's body has unfortunately been found, Um, 710 Indigenous people went missing between 2011 and 2020 just in Wyoming. So I do think it's really, really important just to let you guys know that I am aware 
of the fact that the story has had coverage that other stories aren't getting and i just did want to put that out there first yeah yeah and i'm glad you brought that up Liz. yeah i feel like it's just important to give a little bit of context um to make sure that people know that we aren't trivializing this or the fact that it's gotten so much attention but i will i'll give a bit of a timeline of the case so back in june gabby and her boyfriend brian laundry embarked on a cross-country u.s trip in a white van nick this isn't dissimilar to something that you did with our brother James. Yes, exactly. And that's, I think, why this story kind of hits home a little bit. I've spent time traveling traveling around the United States in exactly that, a white van. Yeah. So where you and Gabby do differ, though, is that Gabby was an influencer and was documenting the journey. So people were already sort of involved um, in her journey outside of the case. Now, on August 12th, police in um, southern Utah were called to a possible domestic violence incident involving the couple. So the police released body cam footage showing Gabby crying and complaining about her mental health to officers. She also said that the couple had been arguing more frequently. Um, Even though the two are described as getting into a physical fight after the argument, Both the male and the female reported that they are in love and engaged to be married and desperately didn't want to see anyone charged with a crime, the report said, so no charges were filed. Now, on August 26th, after this fight, Gabby uploaded a bunch of photos to her Instagram account, and they were the last photos that were uploaded. On August 30th, this was the last day her family heard from her, and it was in a message saying, no service in Yosemite. But they do not believe that this message that they received on August 30th was actually from Gabby at all. On September 1st, Brian Laundrie, her boyfriend, returned to the couple's Northport home with the van, but without Gabby. And on September 11th, Gabby was reported missing by her family. Now, an interesting part of this is that Brian, her boyfriend, wouldn't help in the investigation, even after her family sort of pleaded for his help in the investigation to find their daughter. On September 17th, Brian disappeared. And then at the time of recording, which is on Wednesday, the 22nd of September, Gabby's body has been found and identified. So unfortunately, she has passed away. Brian is still on the loose. Now, he's a person of interest now. He's still missing, and the death has been ruled as a homicide. So, obviously, this is a tragic story and and one that we shouldn't be taking lightly, but it is very interesting to me the, the amount that social media has had to play in this case. So I'm currently watching the series Only Murders in the Building, which is a really good TV show. It's with Selena Gomez. And it's all about these true crime sort of fanatics who decide to try and figure out a murder in their building. And it is drawing like weird parallels to this case where we are all as like a culture obsessed with true crime and like podcasts and documentaries and things. And so Social media has really helped that take, you know, take on a whole new meaning. People on TikTok are trying to solve this case and on Instagram they're trying to solve it as well. Nick, have you seen anything about this? Yeah, yeah, I did. And I saw a couple of interesting things regarding YouTube videos and dash cams. Yeah, so I, I 
think what you're referring to is the couple who were living in a bus with their three kids and they've been doing it for years and making YouTube videos sort of about their life. So they were contacted and they were told that they had been in the same place as Gabby and Brian had been. And so they looked through their footage that they'd taken um, while they were in Wyoming and they saw the white van as they were looking through their footage. And and they contacted the FBI and they also uploaded the video. Um, and so, I don't know, it's just, it's a really interesting, like, yes, social media can be used for good and for amplification and for helping, you know, bring attention to causes and awarenesses. But I also think it really runs the risk of trivializing sort of real life trauma and real events That's like exactly this. It. And, you know, people jumping in it's like that don't fuck with cats documentary you know like vigilante like civilian sort of truth seekers or people that think they can solve the crime when it's it's not something to be trivialized and i think that's just a really interesting part of this of this whole story and and the way that social media and the fucking it feels like the world's involvement has really played out with it exactly yeah there was a case um around the time of the boston bombings where some security footage got leaked to Reddit. Um, and Reddit had decided that they had found the Boston bomber when they really hadn't found the right person at all. And, of course, Reddit being Reddit, they really went in on this dude and ruined his life for a while. And it wasn't, it wasn't, even, the, it wasn't even the right dude. Yeah, see, it can be really, really dangerous. It does have positives, like I keep saying, but I just really, I'm probably going to keep talking about flattening things, but I don't want to take context away from the fact that a young woman, a 22-year-old woman is dead at the end of all of this. And it's, yeah, it's really sad. And I just don't want us to lose that in sort of the virality of it all. Nick, do you have a bit of a lighter news story, perhaps, for us? Yeah, yeah, from from something quite horrific to some really low level low level New Zealand crime. Some of you may know that uh, New Zealand at the moment's got a bit of a bit of a COVID outbreak on. Um, Hence, why we can't actually record together. Exactly, exactly. Uh, podcast over FaceTime, it's great. But yeah, so New Zealand at the moment split into a different a couple of different alert levels. Um, the main difference in these alert levels being south of the Auckland border, you can go to KFC, and, and north of the Auckland border, yeah, you can't. So it's been like this for a, a couple of weeks now. It's been about a month, hasn't it, Luce? It has been. I am locked down in Tamaki Makoto up in Auckland, and Nick is in the South Island, which is not in lockdown. They're in level two, which is probably some good context for you to have. But yeah, so on one uh, one evening, two, two gang associates tried to enter Auckland's southern border down a inconspicuous quiet gravel road with a bootload of KFC and $100,000 in cash. Oh my god, 100k? Yeah, I know. No one seems to mention the $100,000 in cash. Everyone's sort of talking about the KFC. I also saw um, when cops confiscate things from you and they have to take a photo, I saw like KFC laid out on like the front of a car, of a cop car. Exactly, yeah. You see these photos from from big drug busts and they've got bundles of, of cocaine all over the bonnet of the cars. And this photo, we'll also put it up on the Instagram. There's just KFC all over it. I think there's a couple of buckets, um, a couple of things of potato and gravy, some fries, and a couple of coleslaws. So I'm not sure what they were doing with that, whether they were just really hungry or whether they had a couple of, of mates up in up in Auckland who were really hankering for some K-fry. But, uh, yeah, like, 
Why were they doing this? Like, surely it wasn't just to get some K-Fry across the border. I reckon they just wanted to give us a story for the shit show. Yeah, I think that's definitely what they were thinking. I did see this story made the BBC, though. Yeah, it's gone worldwide. I, I, um, just before recording it, one of my friends from Canada sent it through to me. So I can also see written down here that you have quoted like my favourite tweet of all time, which is something about, like, you won't... People won't get the vaccine, but they'll eat KFC without knowing the secret 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> I thought you'd dig that one. That was good. Maybe one of the, maybe one of the solutions here is we just need to build a, wall, build a wall around Auckland and make KFC pay for it. Oi, I think you are in the wrong place. You should be doing fucking stand-up. Yeah, my talent's wasted on this podcast. It sh- yeah, it is. So what happened to the gang affiliates? Is that, is that what they were? Yeah, yeah, gang affiliates. Um no, I'm not actually sure what happened to them. I think they were taken in cu- into into custody um, because obviously breaking breaking COVID nineteen restrictions is is a um, is a crime in itself at the moment. So I'm not sure whether the KFC had much to do with it or if it was just the uh, just the COVID restrictions. But it sounds like these guys were were wanted by the police anyway. So. It all worked out in the end. And the cops got a real good feed. They haven't had KFC in a while. I actually wonder if they got to hook into it. Surely that's one of the perks of, you know, they have to work during lockdown already. (laughs) Okay, so my next story is real interesting, again, about social media. So my next story is about China basically cracking down on sort of everything good in the world. So China's having a big crackdown on young people's use of social media and gaming and fandom and, yeah, like I said, fucking everything that brings me joy. The goal of these crackdowns does appear to be to reduce social unrest or the potential for unrest by targeting the addictive nature of tech. Um, But, you know, I think it's more about trying to stop different uh, ideologies maybe uh, appearing from the the individuality and the expression that um, things like being in fandoms and, and gaming and using social media affords to you. So let's start with the latest, the latest sort of ban, and that's been on TikTok and also the Chinese version, which we're talking about here, called Douyin. Xi Jinping is going to introduce new limits for minors under 14, which means they'll be limited to just 40 minutes of use per day, and they can't access the app at all between 10pm and 6am, which is just wild and feels very, very dystopian. It's also interesting because in the US, I think the average TikTok user spends about 60 minutes or 68 minutes per day on the app. That's crazy, isn't it? And in Norway, they spend up to like 74 minutes, I think, the average user, which is really interesting. Is that how much? Yeah, I reckon it's more like three hours. Three hours, loose. That is so much time. Yeah, like, not for me, but I'm telling you, if I didn't have a job to keep me busy 24-7, then I would probably be on TikTok all that time. That was like day two and three of lockdown for you. Yeah, I low-key reckon, no, I don't want to turn my own horn again, but like, uh, okay, if I had time, and if I wasn't doing shit you should care about, I would want to be famous on TikTok, or I might be. (laughs) 
There's your head again. It's getting bigger and bigger. I know, I know. I need to keep myself in check. So yes, bans on the Chinese version of TikTok. Also bans on gaming. So online video games are being, again, heavily restricted in China to curb, as the authorities call it, youth video game addiction. Mm, A serious affliction. (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know why I said... Um, the authorities are calling it this because it's quite a common phrase. Like, youth are addicted to video games. I think that's just being called a youth these days, isn't it? Yeah, it is just being a youth these days. But basically, the video game ban means that under-18s will only be allowed on video games for an hour, only on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and holidays because they're not entirely evil. (laughs) Um, It will have to be between 8pm and 9pm, so just that one hour on those three days. Oh my god, so it's like the... A, a state regimented gaming schedule. It literally is, which is just wild. And officials have um, described gaming as spiritual opium. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Yes, I did think that was quite poetic from old Xi Jinping over there. Now, the next thing that they've tried to curb is fandom. They have taken a bunch of steps to rein in what they're calling celebrity worship, like banning the ranking of celebrities by popularity regulating fan clubs, I'm not sure how, and disciplining some of their biggest celebrities by kicking them off their platforms or placing fines on them. This is one of the latest moves um, that the Communist Party has done to what they're calling regulate culture because Xi Jinping believes that art and culture should be made in the service of the people and he probably doesn't want it promoting the wrong ideologies. And like I said before, individualism and people thinking for themselves and seeing other ways of life. Are you trying to suggest that TikTok dancers aren't in service for the people? No, Nick, they're not in service for the people unless it is the renegade because it's a really good dance. No, this is bad chat. (laughs) You'll you'll be getting into a lot of trouble if you go to China then, Luce. I'm sorry. No, I literally think if I went to China, I would... I don't think I'd be allowed in. You'd, You'd certainly have eyes on you, I think. Yeah, well... I have eyes on me in every room I go into, Nick. I'm sort of really noisy. But yes, that's some of the sort of dystopian tech fandom gaming sort of crackdowns that China's been having. Now, I'm not actually saying that it's the worst thing in the world to, like, look at young people's use of social media. I am not a fan of social media myself. I think it is not good for human race, but it exists. And so shit you should care about sort of acts as, like, a nice place within it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if this is the way to do it. I've never run a country, let alone a communist one, so I'm not sure. But just something interesting to talk about. Nick, can you shut me up and please bring me another story? I sure can, Luce. So if you've been reading the newsletter, you would have seen that earlier this week, the Rolling Stones re-released their 500 best songs of all time, which is a big call to make. And it's the first time they've refresh this list in 17 years yeah when i was writing the newsletter i thought that this was an annual list so i didn't think it was a big deal but it's fucking a big deal so did i but yeah it sounds like it was a pretty pretty big job as well um according to the rolling stones they compiled the list with the help of over 250 artists musicians producers music critics and journalists they were each asked to send in a list of their top 50 songs ranked in order and that's how the list was compiled So that's one hell of a spreadsheet. (laughs) Because that is one of the questions I have, right? Like, who gets to decide the 500 greatest songs of all time? Like, it's super subjective. Wow, I did see a Harry Styles song on there, so I was wondering if you got 
if you got asked, but by the sounds of it, you didn't. No, I didn't. Because one, I would have put Sign of the Times higher, and two, I would have put Fine Line, like, at least in top ten. Reading through the list is an experience in and of itself. I, I can't count the number of times I was... I saw a song on that list and I was angry that it wasn't so that it was so far down. And then you, you scroll a little bit more and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, ah, oh, yeah, I can, oh, I can, oh, I can understand why now. Um, but Kanye West stronger at number five hundred. That's still a bit of a shock to me. Yeah, but but Runaway, which is much better, was quite high. Yeah, there. Yeah, I think that was twenty five. Do you have the list in front of you? I'm going to read out a few because I've got it in front of me because I love this topic. So, we've got Taylor Swift all too well in at number 69, so she should be. I mean, she should be higher, but 69 is a great number for Taylor Swift. I did get a bit of, um, not a bit of hate, but some responses calling me out for my Uptown Funk slander, because Uptown Funk was number 417, and I just commented beside it, dear God, no, because Uptown Funk is just... I don't know. I don't really like it. Um, I also think, yeah, Thinking About You, Frank Ocean being 367, that could have been higher. That's a great song. What about Lord being number 30 and the greatest songs of all time with Royals? That's insane. Uh, Give them a taste of Kiwi. Also, if you haven't already, go and listen to our Culture Vulture episode. We interviewed Lord. It was fucking great. She's so cool. She's so cool. I'm so jealous of you. I know. And I just feel like we really did vibe. That was really fun. She's great. Um, Nick, Mr. Brightside, did you think it was too low or too high? It depends on my level of sobriety. If I'm if I'm drunk, then it's way too low. But at the moment, then it's probably a little bit too high. I thought Hey Ya by Outkast at number 10 is pretty pretty well placed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Also, I'm sorry for just like sort of co-opting your segment, but I really do love talking about this. What did you think of the top five songs, which were number five, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, number four, Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan, really funny that Rolling Stone put in a song about Rolling Stones at number four, three, A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke, two, Fight the Power, Public Enemy, and one, Respect by Aretha Franklin. What'd you think? Um, There were a couple on there that I didn't know, but Having a read-through on the Rolling Stones website, you sort of get a more of an appreciation of them. So I'm not terribly mad or surprised about them. Um, but get your freak on at number eight. I'm, I was a little bit shocked about that. Would you have done anything differently? Or do you think there was snubs? I actually got a lot of responses from people saying Hosier was snubbed, which Loki, I agree with. Uh, I would have had Runaway probably a little bit higher, but it's so hard to put a number one. Maybe Bohemian Rhapsody, I mean, because it's... Just a classic. Yeah, and I also think um, kind of in the same vein, it feels similar to Bohemian Rhapsody. Life on Mars should have been number one. Ah, yeah. But it wasn't. It was still there, so that's okay. Mm. One of the real classics. A very personal song. It was also really cool because this was the most engagement that we had from from one of my newsletters or even on the Instagram. Like people were sending me their top fives. They had, you know, lists just sitting in their notes app waiting to be asked, what are your top five or top ten songs? And I just thought that was really beautiful. And then I was sort of thinking, if I didn't have shit you should care about to share and talk about all these things with I like I don't know what I would do. I don't know what these people do with their notes apps. Like that's so beautiful that they just 
have them there for them to enjoy, you know, all their favorite songs. Whereas when I have like a list of my favorite songs or whatever, I have the privilege and I really want to just sort of share it with the world. Like, does it just sit in your notes app or like, I don't know, what what do you do? What can you do with it when you don't have all these people to share it with? I feel like I'm broken now. No, no, you can you can post it on one of the comments underneath one of the shit show podcast uh, Instagram posts. That's what you can do. Oh my I'm, god! Actually, I'm very curious. I would love to. I would love to know what everyone's top ten favorite songs are. You should actually do that. I love you getting into the Instagram in real time. Once I've done my social media boot camp with you, Luce, we'll uh, we'll make it happen. All right, Lucy, hit us with a hit us with a good news story, why don't you? Yes, it would be my pleasure to finally just get to report on some good news. Just a hit of serotonin for, to finish off the potty, eh? Um, this story is about a man called Deep Narayan Nayak. He's 34 and he is a teacher in West Bengal. Now, he has, during the COVID-19 pandemic, painted blackboards on the walls of houses and taught children in these open-air streets for the past year. Now, obviously, COVID-19 has happened and places like India don't have infrastructure that allow everyone to be, you know, having access to the internet and online schooling is just not a reality for so many kids neither is you know easy social distancing in schools or social distancing just like at all so this teacher took it upon himself um, after his local school shut down to start just teaching and, and making the streets into schools so he teaches about 60 students at the moment and he teaches everything from nursery rhymes to the importance of masks and hand washing he is known as the teacher of the street and I just think it's the most gorgeous gorgeous story and I'm really happy India is very close to my heart and I'm very happy to get to share that story Look, if that doesn't hit you right in the feels, I don't know what will. Right? Now, Nick, our next and final recurring segment is our comments of the week. And I'm going to start because I was going to talk about bot comments because we just get so many fucking bot comments and they're always so weird and so funny. Like, one of them today was you freaky, freaky gal. And like some of them are like, are we not going to talk about the fact that I've got a huge booty? Actually... Cheeky plug for Extremely Online, our web series that comes out every Friday on Instagram. Our um, One of our upcoming episodes is about bots, about Instagram bots, like what they do, how they're made, how they work. I love some. I love your clapbacks to the bots, Lucy. Whenever I'm feeling sad, I just have a scroll through and uh, see what you've said to the bots today. That's so cute. I love clapping back to bots because like, there's no one there. It's all automated, so I'm not hurting anyone's feelings. But my comment of the week, or comments of the week, is a bit a bit of a cheat because I sort of crowdsourced it by using the question box, and I asked people. The things that they find, the really mundane things that they find embarrassing for no reason. So so there's things like walking towards someone that you're meeting up with, like down the street. Um, you know that little, when you, when you trip over and you do that little jog to like sort of make up for it. When you're singing and you're singing kind of seriously and then someone walks in and you sort of change to that like I was joking the whole time voice some of the other embarrassing things were like someone holding the door open for you when you're too far away standing there and putting change back in your wallet after you've bought something um walking back after you've bowled like in bowling that's a universal one um trying to find a spare seat just anywhere 
Um, also, being hit by a car and just being okay. Like, for some reason, we got that a bunch of times. And, like, that would be embarrassing. Like, if it wasn't dramatic, you were just sort of okay. Anyway, I will stop and I'll let you guys read the rest. I've posted them all in like a master thread on shit you should care about. They're fucking hilarious. Like we all feel the same anxieties, which I love. Nick, what are your favourite comments? My favourite comments were all the people saying about how much they love reading the newsletter every morning. That's real cute of you, Nick. I literally didn't even tell you to say that. No, you didn't. That was genuine straight from the heart. It's kind of it's kind of cheating as well because it's not a singular comment of the week like this bit was intended to be, but I just thought it was really nice and really wholesome. It's like, oh, my sister's doing something so nice. Stop. That's so cute. You're definitely going to be the favourite host. I also do think it's really cute. Like, people, um, they indirect us on Twitter, so they just type shit you should care about without tagging us. And they often say real nice stuff, especially about um, the newsletter becoming their morning newspaper. Like, they sit there with a cup of coffee and read it. That is just like my fucking bread and butter because newsletters are the new newspapers. And if you aren't subscribed... Where you at? It's a lot of work and it's a lot of coffees before 9am to get that newsletter out. So so thanks for that, Liz. Yeah, I love doing it. So y'all should all subscribe. Simple but effective. Nick, how you feeling? Coming to the end of our first ep, tell the people how you're feeling, how you've liked it. I'm feeling good. I've got a bit of a sore back because I'm cramped underneath a clothes horse with a sheet on top of it. But um, a bit of work to do in the studio. <laughs> no, that's so funny. So guys... We don't have proper studios. Nick is sitting at home under a blanket. And do you know what? If you want to support us, and especially Nick, in getting him to a proper studio, we have a little donation um, area called Shout Us A Coffee at the link in our bio on shit you should care about. It would mean the world. Nick, where can the people find you, my darling? They can find me behind the keyboard of the shit show underscore 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 on Instagram. There's six underscores. Six of, six of them. Oh my God. We have to do something about that. That's insane. I know. You can also find Nick um, in the Discord server. He hangs out there quite a bit. You can find me on shit you should care about uh, or... You know, on the other end of the morning newsletter, that is where I do reply and spend most of my time. It's a really lovely place to be. You can hear Liv and I discussing everything pop culture and everything culture. We just did an episode about what has happened to Ed Sheeran's music over on Culture Vulture. And you can watch us explain the internet every Friday morning on Extremely Online, which lives over on our IGTV God, I'm getting out of breath just thinking about all the things we do. But honestly, it's a bloody blessing being here with all of you listening, watching, giving us feedback. Please feel free to leave ratings and reviews. It would mean the world to me and especially to Nick because he's new to all of this. Nick, thank you for jumping on the mic to explain this shit show of a world with me. Shall we do this again same time, same place next week? This sounds pretty good to me, yeah. All right then. Bye, everybody. See you later. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 